going to do it for us here this morning. We will be back on Monday with another edition of the Wake this Up Call. This is your Enjoy morning your wake-up call on Sports Country. Grab a cup of coffee and we'll hang with us every weekday morning for the latest news, sports, and other things going on around the world and in your backyard. Now, here's your host, Gene Gums. Well, good morning, everybody. It is six minutes past nine o'clock here in Middletown, Connecticut. Welcome to a Friday morning wake-up call. We made it through another week here on Sports Country Radio. A frigid morning here in the Northeast on the 29th day of January 2021. It was seven degrees when I got up this morning. It's up to 11 now. It's uh, a wind chill temperature is supposed to be below zero for most of the day here in the Northeast, just a brutal day. The good news is it's not snowing, although there's a nor'easter coming on Monday. But uh, anyway, we've got uh, plenty to get to this morning. UConn women yesterday. We've got some baseball signings. And, uh, of course, Dan Zampano coming up at 9.30 this morning. Lots of NFL news. Uh, the coaching carousel continues. We've got uh, more news on potential quarterback moves, all kinds of stuff. So we'll talk to Dan coming up uh, at 9.30 about all that. So let's start off this morning with the UConn women. I said yesterday that this game was going to come down to defense, something that UConn prides itself on. They play pretty good defense. My concern was whether they were going to be able to score enough points. Oh, well, offense was not the problem, but the defense let UConn down last night. They lose to Arkansas 90-87. Arkansas was ranked 19th in the country. It is the second top five team that they have beaten this year. And this is a game where UConn could not find a way to guard Chelsea Dungy. Chelsea Dungy, the senior, scored 37 points for Arkansas last night. No matter – she, I swear to God, she could have had her eyes closed – and it was going to go in. Not only did she sh- she score 37, but she shot 13 for 21 from the field. She was 4 of 5 from three-point range. I mean, she just torched UConn. And <laughs> I was watching the game with uh, with my wife Barb last night and I I I have to confess and look, I don't I'm I'm not trying to sound sexist. And so let me start with that, but I have never seen a female basketball player made up like Chelsea Dungy was. She had on, like, fake eyelashes. <laughs> she had fake eyelashes on. She had lipstick on. She had rouge. She had eyeshadow. She looked like she was ready for, and she's a good-looking girl. She looked like she was ready for a model shoot, and she's out there just throwing dimes on UConn. They could not stop her at all. So she played as good as she looked last night. Uh, you know, it was just crazy. Um the biggest failing last night for UConn is that they could not dominate the boards the way I thought they should. I still thought Arkansas got too many second-chance opportunities. Olivia Nelson Adota, who at times has been dominant inside, 
was the invisible woman last night. She got herself in some foul trouble in the first half, only played 10 minutes in the first half. Um, but at the end of the day, she ends up with two points and two rebounds. That's not good enough, you know, especially when you've got a team that is as small as Arkansas is. Nelson Adota should have cleaned up inside. They got better minutes uh, from Aaliyah Edwards, their freshman last night, than they got from Nelson Adota. Now, Edwards was overmatched as well. She ended up fouling out in the third quarter. Uh, Aubrey Griffin did a pretty good job on the boards last night, but the the big girls, Griffin, Nelson Adota, and, and Edwards, last night, when they needed them to be dominant, they just weren't. And, you know, I think this has to be disappointing for Gino Ariema. He said all along that this is not a good shooting team. We don't shoot a good percentage. You know, we're offensively, we're, we're a mess. Well, last night, UConn shot over 50% from the field. They were 33 of 60, and they shot 52% from three-point range. They were 12 of 23 from three. When you do that... 95 times out of 100, you're going to win the game. Unfortunately for UConn, the uh, Arkansas Razorbacks shot just as well. They were 33 of 64 from the field, and they were 13 of 23 from three. They shot 57% from three-point range. You know, we talked about how good Dungey is. The, the, the one that really killed them, was Ramirez, who had had a, a rough season so far. Well, she redeemed herself last night. She went 5 for 10 from 3. She poured in 22. So Dungey and Ramirez combined for 59 of the 90 points for Arkansas. Look, UConn had a lead at the intermission. They were up 2 at halftime. And then Arkansas came out and scored the first 8 points of the sec- or the third quarter. They outscored UConn 31 to 19 in the third. UConn was down at one point in this game a dozen. And yet, despite that, they come all the way back. They take a lead with 528 to play. And Arkansas then proceeds to score the next 10 points. So you work your ass off. You're down 12. You work your ass off. You get the lead back. And then right after you get the lead back, the team goes on a 10-0 run, and now you're down eight again, and you're just out of gas. I mean, UConn looked tired at the end. And yet, despite all that, UConn still could have given themselves an opportunity, and this is where this has got to be frustrating for Gino. It's a three-point game. Arkansas comes down. UConn gets the ball back as Arkansas misses a shot at the shot clock buzzer. Kristen Williams gets the rebound with about four seconds to play, and instead of calling a timeout, she starts to dribble the basketball. They don't get the timeout until there's three-tenths of a second left. And with three-tenths of a second left, you have no opportunity to set up any kind of a play because you can't put the ball to the floor. With three-tenths left, you've got to get the ball. It's, it's, it's you know, get the inbounds pass, and the person catching it has to shoot immediately. They got a shot off from the corner. I'm not sure it would have counted because I'm, it was borderline as to whether it got off on time. Didn't matter. They missed, and the game was over. But if she calls that timeout with four seconds left, now you have a, a, the possibility of getting the ball inbounds, 
putting it to the floor, making a drive, getting yourself open, and getting a better look to potentially tie the game and send it into overtime. That was a mental error on Kristen Williams, and she has to know, or and she has to know better than that. And you know, you could tell that Gino was frustrated about it at the end of the game. He said, "Look, he said, you know, we had a strategy in the huddle that if there was time left, you know, I said if we rebound." and there's under five seconds, we have to get a timeout. He told them that in a timeout in the huddle. He said, we need a timeout if there's under five seconds left. And Krista Williams didn't call it. And he says, you know, he said, what are you going to do? He said they forgot, you know, that they couldn't dribble. So what are you going to do? I mean, there's nothing he can do about that. You could tell, You can tell your players everything you want in the huddle, and if they don't listen and it doesn't register, there's nothing you can do about it. Now get you know look here's the stat that that stunned me. You would think that like UConn lost this game by a million points, right? They lose it by three. And I'm reading the game story this morning, and it says this is the program's worst loss since it fell to unranked St. John's by one point in February of 2012. Wait a minute. Just be look. You still lost to a team that was in the top twenty-five. I think I think that was, and I'm not I'm not gonna you know kill the person from the current. But let's not let's not be overly dramatic here. And I think that it kind of tells you where the UConn women's program is. You lose to a team that's in the top twenty-five, and if you if you this was in the fourth line of the story, the fourth paragraph of the story, it's the worst loss since two thousand and twelve. Worst loss. It's not a bad loss. This is an Arkansas team that beat uh, a top five team already this season. They lost to one of the uh, a very good Georgia team that's ranked in the top ten. They lost to them at, on a buzzer beater uh, on Monday. Worst loss. This was a good team. I'm telling you what. This Arkansas team. I don't care what anybody says. This is a team that is going to be very, very dangerous for anybody in the NCAA tournament. And I expect that that number 19 ranking, they're going to jump a bunch this week. You know, you lose to a good Georgia team and you beat a UConn team that was undefeated. This team is really good. And the other thing to keep in mind here, this is an Arkansas team that has played eight more games than UConn. Because of all the COVID problems that UConn has had, they've only played, they had only played 10 games to that point. Arkansas came in with 18. So they've a little bit more battle-tested this year and, and have had a little bit more chance uh, to play together. And UConn being such a young team with all those freshmen, eight more games could have made a difference. But at the end of the day, this is a good team. This Arkansas team, really dangerous. And and I would not be at all shocked if they're in the top ten this week. So, uh, you know, tough loss. But you know what? UConn not the only top five team to lose yesterday. Number two, North Carolina State loses as well. So number two and number three both lose yesterday. NC State got upset by unranked Virginia Tech. Virginia Tech beat them 83-71 to in overtime. Uh, Virginia Tech is only 3-7 and seven in the ACC, and they upset NC State. So NC State's going to drop like a rock because they lost to an unranked team. And NC State has to play number one Louisville coming up this weekend. So a tough night uh, for the top five 
in uh, women's college basketball. But that was an entertaining UConn game. There's no question. But that that Arkansas team, they're averaging 85 points a game, and they scored more than that last night. That is a good team. Uh, Other things from last night, the Boston Bruins with a solid win last night over the Pittsburgh Penguins. They had to beat them in overtime the other night. There were only a couple of seconds left in overtime uh, when they beat Pittsburgh the other night. Well, last night... No problem. They beat the Penguins 4-1. to one. Uh, Chris Wagner got it started with a goal with about six minutes in. Uh, after Cody Ceci tied it up with about five minutes to go in the first, Sean Corrali tipped one in off of a shot by Anders Bjork. Boston takes the 2-1 lead going into the intermission, and then they get goals from Patrice Bergeron, one in the second and one in the third. The one in the third was on a power play. Boston wins this one easy. Pittsburgh with only 16 shots on goal last night. So uh, Yaroslav Halak, who got the start for the Bruins last night, had a pretty easy time of it, and uh, the Bruins continue to roll. Their offense was struggling. The first three, four games of the season, they couldn't find – uh, the scoring touch. This looks like the Bruins team that we expected, a team that going into the pandemic shutdown last year was one of the highest scoring teams in the NHL and a team that was leading the NHL in points. So they're getting going, so the NHL is probably uh, a little bit concerned now about the way these Bruins are playing. Uh, the Bruins will play back-to-back games against the Washington Capitals this weekend. They get to see their former captain, Zdeno Chara, who's now with the Capitals. Those games will be on Saturday and Sunday. Uh, baseball news. And this came down uh, just about uh, 20 minutes ago. Jock Peterson, free agent from the Los Angeles Dodgers, free agent outfielder, has signed with the Chicago Cubs. Um and uh, this is, you know, on the face of it, I said, well, that's a great move for the Cubs. But and I hadn't, you know, I hadn't looked deeply into it. Ken Rosenthal broke it about uh, about nine o'clock this morning. Well, Joel Sherman came on right after that. Now, don't forget, the Cubs already lost Kyle Schwarber. He went to the Washington Nationals. I looked. Uh, Joel Sherman had a thing this morning. Kyle Schwarber hit two thirty. Is hitting two thirty in his career. Guess what? So is Jock Peterson. Last year, Schwarber hit 188. Guess what Peterson hit last year? 190. I mean, these are two guys that these are almost mirror images. You look at their career stats and their stats from last year, they are damn near the same player. <laughs> so, uh, I, you know, I'm not, uh, I'm not sure that the Cubs have made an upgrade here, but uh, regardless, Jock Peterson leaves the Dodgers, the team that he came up with, and he will join the Chicago Cubs. Word is is that the New York Mets right now may be the leading contender to land the most coveted free agent in baseball this year, that, of course, Trevor Bauer. Um, Word is that the Mets have offered Bauer a deal of three or four years that is in the 30-ish million dollar a year range. Now, of course, Garrett Cole of the New York Yankees has the highest average annual value contract right now for a pitcher. That's $36 million. It's believed to be less than that. Uh, John Heyman broke this. They don't know whether he doesn't have the exact numbers, of course, but we're probably looking at, you know, three years, 100 mil, something like that. 
Um, you know, but the mystery here is that Bauer has said in the, originally that he wanted a one-year deal. You know, he just wanted a one-year deal, and you know, then he'll reevaluate it the following year. And then later he came out and said, "Well, no, I'd be open to longer-term deals." So the Mets have called his bluff, and they have uh, they have offered him an awful lot of money. Now, if can you imagine if the Mets actually do get Trevor Bauer? And think about this: you know, you get Trevor Bauer, and then you go into a weekend in July or August after Noah Syndergaard has come back from uh, his Tommy John surgery. And you have a weekend series where you are facing Trevor Bauer, Noah Syndergaard, and Jason DeGrom. Oh, I mean, that is frightening. You know, you look, and and, and this is a team that also has Marcus Stroman. I mean, they, they are loaded if they get Trevor Bauer. Now, the mystery here also is that there is another team. It happens to be the world champs, the Los Angeles Dodgers, that have been very, very quiet. And they have also said to be interested in Trevor Bauer. And he is a guy that is from Orange County, so he's a Southern California guy, so he would be kind of going home, and he'd be playing with a team that's absolutely loaded. And you'd say, well, how can the Dodgers afford that? I mean, they're already paying, you know, so many big superstars. Don't forget, you know, they're paying Clayton Kershaw, and they're paying Mookie Betts, but a lot of these other guys that they have are still young. And so they haven't, you know, they don't have these these huge contracts yet. You know, just imagine when, uh, you know, Walker Bueller and some of these young pitchers and some of these young position players, you know, in a few years, they're going to be expensive. But outside of Mookie Betts, after this year, the Dodgers do not have a lot of money on the books. You know, the contract for uh, David Price will be up. Um, you know, a lot of their, uh, you know, now they may, they're still trying to sh- re-sign Josh Turner, but they don't have a lot of money on the books. So the Dodgers, you know, the may, Mets may want them, but the Dodgers might be the team that could come out of the weeds at the last minute and swipe him away from the Mets. But you got to give the Mets credit. Look, since Steve Cohen has bought this team, they have been very, very aggressive, and they have been in on everything. Uh, which is the exact opposite of what Mets fans are used to seeing under the Wilpons ownership. So, uh, you know, and and I also love that Steve Cohen, the owner, is on Twitter. He's on social media, interacting with the fans and trying to get them fired up about this team. And I just I think that's awesome. You know, I mean, this is a guy that kind of gets it and understands. And he's a guy who is a Mets fan. This is a guy he's bought the team that he loves. That would be like me buying the Red Sox. You know, I mean, it's just if I had that kind of money. You know, but that this is a guy that is not just financially invested. He is emotionally invested in this franchise and was before he bought the team. So I think this is great. It's great. And so, uh, you know, and if, you know, it, to look at it from a competitive standpoint, if you want a team that's going to challenge the Dodgers, why not the Mets? You know, right now, I mean, you've got the Braves Hall that have all that great young talent. If the Mets can step up at, you know, and give us another team, because I don't know, you know, outside of the Braves, I'm not sure what other team in the National League has enough juice 
to give the Dodgers a serious challenge. I really don't. You know, um, you know, there's other teams that that you know the, the Phillies have some talent. Um, you know, the Cubs still have some talent, although they've taken a step back. The Cardinals don't have enough. Uh, you know, I, I I just don't know who else is going to challenge them. So this would be great, I think, for the competitive standpoint to give the Dodgers a serious run for their money uh, come the postseason. Uh, a couple of other signings. Uh, Adam Wainwright looks like he is headed back to the St. Louis Cardinals. Uh, he's 39 years old. It's going to be a one-year deal for $8 bucks. Um the Cardinals wanted him back, you know, and I think they were just taking their time. Well, all of a sudden, Wainwright started talking to other teams, so the Cardinals got a little bit nervous and jumped in. So he is coming back. He was their best pitcher last year. Um, he threw two shutouts last year. It was his 15th year with the Cardinals. and uh, But he pitched two shutouts, 3-1-5 ERA, and uh, started his career 4-0 for the first time ever. So, and one of those, by the way, a nine-inning complete game on his 39th birthday against the Cleveland Indians. So, uh, that will give the Cardinals, you know, a decent rotation with him and Flaherty and Michaelis. You know, the problem is, is the Cardinals haven't done anything. They, they, this is the first major signing they've made in the offseason, and they still have a big piece out there as a free agent. Their all-star catcher, Yadier Molina, is still a free agent. They have not re-signed him. He is talking to other teams. Uh, he's actually playing in the Caribbean League right now or the Puerto Rican League right now in the playoffs. But right now, you know, the Cardinals, they're the guy that, that is the, the backbone of that pitching staff who is their, their all-star catcher still is out there as a free agent. Uh, and speaking of catchers, Alex Avila has signed a one-year deal with the Washington Nationals to be their backup catcher. He will back up Jan Gomes, uh, left-handed hitter, uh, Played for the Twins last year as their backup. You know, not much of a hitter. He's a career 235 hitter, but he's a decent defensive backstop. And uh, he also is very familiar with a lot of the pitching staff uh, in Washington. He was teammates with Max Scherzer when Scherzer was in Detroit. Uh, he, he was teammates with John Lester with the Cubs. And he was also a teammate of Patrick Corbin's uh, in Arizona. So, you know, he is very familiar with this pitching staff. So uh, a solid pick. Uh, as a backup catcher for the Washington Nationals. It's 28 minutes past the hour. We're going to take a break. When we come back, Dan Zampano will join us. It's, it's a taped interview. I want to be upfront about that. We taped it last night. He wasn't able to make it this morning. Uh, so uh, I interviewed Dan last night. We'll have that when we come back. You're listening to The Wake Up Call on Sports Country. And that is going to do it for us here this morning. We will be back on Monday with another edition of The Wake Up Call. Enjoy your weekend. Enjoy the college basketball this weekend. And uh, we'll talk to you Monday. You've been listening to The Wake Up Call on Sports Country. We leave you with some music from the Charlie Daniels Band this morning. We're going to drink my baby goodbye on this cold Friday here in the Northeast.